the people of sake actually brought me into sake. Back in 1988, this place was actually in Ginza on the main drag. At first it was kind of soy sauce, it was miso. To the point where it actually changed my life. New Year's Day 1989. Uh, not just sake as a beverage, but all the culture and history. And Welcome and thank you for once again tuning into a brand new episode here at Sake On Air, the world's very first podcast dedicated to expanding the dialogue surrounding Japan's iconic and beloved beverages of sake and shochu. For those of you out there who enjoy Sake On Air, know that you can help us out a great deal as well as helping new listeners discover the show by leaving us a review over on Apple Podcasts or whatever service it is that delivers you all of your podcasting needs. You can also go ahead and follow along with us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Sake On Air, and take a gander at what we have over on our YouTube channel, including past episodes, as well as the entirety of Sake Future Summit 2020. My name is Justin Potts, and I am one of your regular hosts here on the show, and we've got another rather special episode lined up for you this week. Along with a general interest in sake that's been expanding globally, the number of home brewers curious to try their hand at sake making, along with professional brewers setting up formal production operations around the world, is increasing at a rapid and spectacular rate. At the same time, the population that are also committing themselves to sake both personally and professionally across a range of activities, from sake sales and distribution to education and evangelism, more and more people are looking for ways to get a little bit closer to the craftsmanship and really develop their understanding on a more personal and experiential level. Thankfully, Gakkogura appeared. Officially operating in a limited capacity since 2014, Gakkogura, which literally translates to brewery school, is the work of Obata Shuso, makers of Manotsuru brand sake on the beautiful and historic Sado Island located in the Sea of Japan off the coast of Niigata Prefecture. For this episode, we've split it into two parts. In the first half coming up, we're joined by Mrs. Rumiko Obata, representing five generations of Obata Shuzo and the communicative force behind Gakogura. In this short interview, Obata-san shares with us some of the insight into the origins of the brewing school, the values driving the project, and the relationship between the unique brewery and the special place that it has on Sato Island. For the second half, we wanted to offer a little bit more of an experiential perspective. And so what we've set up is a short roundtable discussion with this summer's final group of brewing students. I'll go ahead and introduce you to them once we get there. For now, we'll jump into this week's episode and start our interview with Mrs. Rumiko Obata of Obata Shuzo and Gakkogura. So, and joining us today, we are very lucky to have Ms. Numiko Obata of Obata Shuzo and Gakkogura. Obata-san, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me today. It's an absolute pleasure. Could you first just explain just very briefly about what Gakkogura is? Gakkogura is a second brewery. It's designed as a craft sake brewery and school to experience sake making. We built the brewery inside the old Nishimikawa Elementary School, which was closed in 2010. The school has a history of 136 years. We wanted to preserve the school and also create a space where sake can be used for sharing, planning, and community. 
That's fantastic. So I'm wondering then, when did you begin working on creating Gakkogura? And what was the impetus for that? We first began making sake at Gakkogura in May of 2014. But the story of Gakkogura starts back in 2008, when my husband visited Nishimikawa Elementary School, which was already scheduled to be closed due to population decline. The school was a beautiful wooden building with beautiful views of the island and beautiful history. But he knew once the school was closed, it was destined to be left to world and be forgotten. He didn't want to see the school decay. He wondered if we could do something about it ourselves. The answer was to make sake. To be honest, when I first heard his idea, I was against it. Because we already had a sake brewery, to make another sake brewery sounded almost impossible. But when I actually visited the school and looked out over the ocean from the top of the hill, I thought, we have to do this. We fell in love with the school. Oh, that's beautiful. And so, you know, so you've been operating the school now for a number of years. Um, and I'm wondering then what sorts of people have been coming to take part in the week-long brewing program that you have at Gakkogura? People come to take part in programs at Gakkogura for many different reasons. But many come because of their strong relationship to the world of sake. We've had restaurant owners, people that run sake retail and wholesale shops, as well as people promoting and selling sake internationally. A number of people operating a sake brewery overseas or with plans to start a sake brewery have also come to take part in the program. There aren't really any restrictions on who can come to take part. However, we plan to focus on keeping it as an opportunity for people that are dedicated to developing a strong relationship to sake and Sado Island. And so I understand that in 2020, Sado and Gakkogura were selected as part of the first regions to be certified as an official sake production zone, uh, allowing you to legally produce sake as a, as a brand new brewery. Um, I'm wondering sort of how did that come about and then what does that mean for the future of Gakkogura? When I first began brewing sake in 2014, we were actually brewing under a different type of liquor license because obtaining a permit to produce sake was really difficult. We had to think deeply about working around the restrictions of the brewing permit. In the beginning, we added bits of Japanese cedar to the pressed sake. This created something almost identical to a very mild karuzake but was made in a way so that it could be legally called as a liquor. We didn't like having to think about how to beat the system every year, 
We applied for the special designation license three times in nine years. In 2020, we were finally granted the designation, making the school part of the first region to be selected as a special sake production zone. By getting the official designation, we are now able to make pure and genuine sake and the students taking part in the program can have an honest sake brewing experience. We make a new type of sake every year, such as sparkling, yamohai, and kimoto. We are planning for something new next year. We are very excited. It should be fun. Excellent, excellent. I'll have to pay a visit next year as well. Uh, <laughs> So then, you know, having, having established that designation and having done this for a few years, um, what does the future of Gakkoguda look like? Right now, we only host a series of one-week brewing program at Gakkoguda during summer. However, we are working on preparing for a couple of new programs so that more people can take part. The first is to offer a more casual sake experience. Not everyone can come and brew sake for a week, but we want Gakkogura to be a place where people can come to experience and learn about sake. We are planning to build a tasting room and kitchen where people can come and spend a couple of hours during sake tastings, food pairings, and learning about sake. There are also people who want to be even more deeply involved. So we are working on making it possible for more long-term collaboration projects. It would be great for groups with very specific goals to take part in a sake brewing experience where the sake being made is customized to their personal and professional needs. This may be something where participants will spend more time at the brewery, visit the island more regularly, and the sake being made will be brewed for a specific purpose. So then as the programs for Gakkoguda continue to develop, I'm curious then, how do you view the relationship between Gakkogura and Sado Island? We think of Gakkogura as part of the island's ecosystem. The sake is made using natural resources and renewable energy from the island. The rice used in brewing contributes to environmentally friendly rice farming and the preservation of the island's landscape. We think that the act of creating sake is also the act of creating the future of the region. Sake itself tells the story of the land where it was made. So the islands create sake, and sake tells the story of the island. Gakkogura is a place where people from on and off the island can gather and share in the experience of the island through sake. We like to say that bringing sake brews happiness. 
we think that applies to life on the island as well. Excellent. So then I'm curious, tell me about, tell me about Sado Island these days. The diverse nature, culture, and history of Sado Island really makes it a beautiful microcosm of Japan. That being said, the island is also struggling with the same challenges as the rest of Japan, only at a much faster rate. The aging and declining population is a big problem. However, in recent years, more and more people from across Japan and around the world have been discovering what a special place that island is. Little by little, more people have been relocating here to build a life. Despite it being an island, we are now able to create a direct connection to so many people around the world. Of course, we hope that more people discover and fall in love with sake. But more than anything, but more than anything, we hope that people will discover a love for this wonderful island. I see great potential in Sado Island. Now for the second half of this week's show, as I mentioned, we'll have a bit of a roundtable style discussion with this year's final group of brewing students at Gakkogura. This week, we are joined by journalist, YouTuber, and Tokyo Aijo editor, Roberto Maxwell, along with engineer and technical consultant turned sake startup founder, Philip Moss, and also the founder and director of Sake Tours, Etsuko Nakamura, who has actually joined us before on the show for Sake Future Summit 2020. I myself also took part in the program this year and sit down over a glass of sake together with this year's crew in order to get a feel for the impressions and takeaways that resonated with this year's final cohort. All right, check, check. Everybody else, I'm going to get this in the middle here. I think we got everybody. So yeah, just try and, try and keep this straight. We'll just try and kind of, just try and keep about this distance or okay. so from the mic, all right? All right. Otsukare, everybody. Nice work. That was a hell of a week. That was a hell of a week. Otsukare-sama deshita. And this is a hell of a sake. Very good. <laughs> um, first, before we get started, so my name is Justin Potts, one of your regular hosts here on Sake on Air, and we are broadcasting today from uh, Gakkogura, which is a brewing school up on Sado Island, uh, located in Niigata. And Gakkogura is... Uh, managed and run by Obata Shuzo, who are the makers of Manotsuru uh, brand sake. Um, they're one of five breweries here on the island, and they've been gradually developing a program where people can come and spend an extended period of time, usually a week or so, give or take, um, really going hands-on with the process of making sake, learning about the, not just the process, but having an opportunity to sort of see that process, you know, sort of in the context of, you know, the lifestyle in Sado and the experience of being in Sado as well. Um, it's, it was, it's a very ambitious project mm -hmm. and there are very few things that I have seen that are, that are very similar that, um, that you can actually go and really go hands on full on for an extended period of time. Um, just doing sake on air and just being in my line of work, I know that for me, at least 
I can't tell you how the, I can't begin to tell you how many inquiries I get. Hey, do you know anywhere where I can go to a sake brewery and spend X amount of time where I can learn, where I can train, where people will teach me? Uh, and the number of places that I can introduce are few and far between, if any. Um, of course, some places are more open to that than others, but there's really, at least at this point in time, the number of dedicated spaces for that are limited. And so they've been gradually sort of developing this, trying to figure out what this could or what this should look like, not just for domestic visitors, but also international visitors. And so in the interest of transparency, you know, I'm, I'm here um, as a participant in the program, but also uh, in order to help out a little bit with figuring out what this should look like going forward. So anything I say, you know, you can take with a grain of salt, <laughs> um, you know, just, you know, to be open. Um, but I, irrespective of that, I feel like it is important to um, shed light on this type of program because I think it'll also help them to, Obata Shuzo, Obata Sakiburi, to help them to also figure out and fully realize the potential of, of this program, what it is. So since we're here, and since we've just spent a week brewing sake here at Gakogura, I just wanted to get our, the participants, uh, the now alumni um, that I shared this week with uh, here together, um, just to, together, just to chat a little bit about um, the experience that they had, um, their takeaways, their feelings about it, and where they hope that they can take this experience uh, for them next. So I'm just going to go around the table here real quick um, and have everybody introduce themselves. I'll start on my right here um, with uh, Ms. Etsuko Nakamura, who has actually been on the show before for the Sake Future Summit. Huh. That's right. So for those, yeah, so for those who have been paying attention to that, um, if you missed that, you can go check that out. But uh, Ms. Etsuko Nakamura of Sake Tours is here in the program with us this week. So, Etsuko Nakamura, I run Sake Tours, uh, so sake, very sake-centric tours to visit sake breweries and other fun things around Japan. Excellent, excellent, excellent. And this was one of those fun things for sure this week. Yes. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Excellent. And then we also have Mr. Philip Moss. Am I pronouncing that? Yeah, yeah. Relatively, you got relatively it. You got correctly. It right there. Yeah. Is, is that more or less work? And you have recently been re reborn into the yes. into the world of sake, and you're you're on a whole new trajectory now. Yes. So basically, my name is Philip. I'm from Germany originally. I've been in Japan for a couple of years, and now started my uh, journey into the sake industry. And yeah, glad to be uh, talking uh, with you guys. And also, this week with you guys was like just uh, an amazing experience. And I would like, if I had the time, I would stay here longer. Definitely. <laughs> right. Excellent. Excellent. And last but certainly not least. Roberto Maxwell, how are you doing, sir? Yeah, I'm fine. I mean, <laughs> I think I am the the one that was broken, like by the from the beginning. Like I'm a little fat, so it was a bit complicated from the beginning. But anyway, it was a very, very like uh, important experience for me. I am Roberto Maxwell. I am from Brazil, and I've been living in Japan for 16 years. And the last few years, I've been working with tourism and receiving like tourists from Brazil or from Portuguese-speaking countries here in Japan and one thing that started like to come out in the tours was the need of people to know more about 
sake. Mm -hmm. And uh, we in Brazil we have like a very old sake brewery, probably one of the world oldest in the world outside Japan. But still, sake is not really known in the country. So I felt that I needed to go deeper and have more knowledge about sake. So that's why I started to study and I decided to come to the island to, to have this experience with you guys. Excellent, excellent. So for, for that week, what was, share with me a little bit, what were, what were some of your, your takeaways from the week then, Noberto? What is, you know, after, after a week, uh, is it was this your first time like going full on in a brewery or spending a chunk of time uh, doing something like that? It was the second time, but I think this time was like a, a full week, so it was different. The other time was only two days, and it was really light to be honest. And this time, like we had the opportunity to, but I know that most the breweries do most of the jobs we did like with machines or other things, but like uh, it was like a very deep physical experience and although like we live in a very technological world mm. sake is still done by real people like most of the sake we drink maybe in japan are made by real people putting their hands their hands on the rice and everything in many parts of the world mm. so this was like the thing that was all the time in my mind so every time i open a new sake bottle, I will remember how many effort people put to have this liquid yeah. <laughs> in our mouths after all. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the thing that impressed most yeah. of this whole week. Absolutely, absolutely. And so many bags to wash. <laughs> exactly, so many water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So much water. Yeah. I said, I mean, in, you know, to be honest, I mean, there's in this program, you really do get to go hands-on and do a lot. And like I said, you're, you're doing the cleanup and some of that stuff as well too, but there's still a lot of it that you don't see. Like you, you show up in the, in the brewery in the morning and you realize that, you know, the, the water's already been measured out, the thing, the, you know, the rice is already the in the steamer. Is, yeah. It's already like, even though you feel like you're in it from, you know, 9 a.m. until 4 p.m. or 5 p.m. or whatever, um, the reality is there's still a lot happening behind the scenes that actually you don't get to see. But the neat thing about this, however, is be that, I, that, that I found is that because you do spend time, because it moves at a few clicks slower than a larger brewery, um, because, I mean, it's super macro. We only do, what, there, we did the, so we brewed the fifth tank of this season. Um, they're only brewing the summer. And that was the last one this year. So over a period of four, five months-ish, they're only doing five tanks. Right. Whereas, say, another brewery might their season, the full season might be six, seven months and they might do 30 tanks, 40 tanks, 50 tanks or more of, winter. of, of <laughs> in winter of, of larger volume. Right. So it moves a lot slower. But because of that, even the things that you're not involved in, you can actually see how things sort of go together. Right. And so by being able to see that, then going because you have more time and you spend more time with the brewers, you know what to ask was one of the things that is, or at least you're able to, you're able to sort of develop your questions. And so that you can sort of, even though you didn't do it yourself, you can, you can start to visualize, okay, this is where the pieces fit together. And you can, you're able to ask, I think, not necessarily smarter questions, but useful questions, mm -hmm. I felt like. Mm -hmm. 
And also one thing that was like uh, you cannot really learn from the book is from the when you just look at the book at the textbook or uh, read uh, articles on the internet, you basically only find this uh, sequential process mm -hmm. of like uh, making it's like really stepwise uh, in order. But it's it's like real the opposite. It's like all like a cascaded system of different uh, processes, and then you need to prepare the rice for the next day and have. Um, yeah, the koji ready uh, when you want to uh, put it into the fermentation tank. So it's like a real, um, yeah, disordered, ordered system in a, in a way. And I think also Justin mentioned that that it was really this time. Um, normally they wouldn't have the time uh, to just like um, get uh, answer questions or. Um, just like show us the right way to do it, and this time here at uh, at this uh, school, it was the perfect opportunity to like really slowly emerge in the in the process and and yeah, learn it hands on. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Was, it was nice being able to ask questions. I said in the brewery as well as I mean, we did a Q and A yesterday um, after we were we had already completed most of the program. We were five six days in already, and you know, they bring the toji in and. Um, Mr. Uh, Hiroshima, the president of the brewery, he goes, all right, you know, here's your time. You can ask anything you want. I'll answer your question. It can be about brewing. It can be about the business of sake. It can be whatever. We've got about, you know, 90 minutes until we got to be back in the brewery. So it's your time. What do you want to know? You know, and just to be able to have that very frank scenario where anything you threw out, if it was very technical, you know, straight to the board, start writing it, you know, writing down numbers and doing the math and sorting things out and explaining that, you know, just to have just that very frank, upfront, open space for conversation and dialogue about not just the brewery here, but sort of how it sits in sort of the larger context of, of the sake industry and that experience was, was really, really nice. And just to, to feel that comfortable to be able to do that, that's something that you don't, that you don't always get just on a, on a quick visit. So. Let's go on. How about, I mean, you are, you have been taking groups of people to sake breweries mm -hmm. for many years. Yes. Right? To many different sake breweries right, right, of, right. of varying scale, of varying philosophies and styles and beliefs and whatnot. So and you, that's what makes it really interesting mm -hmm. to, you know, to go visit different breweries. Mm -hmm. And even within the Obatashizo, mm. Gakogura is uh, completely different from the main brewery. Yeah, yeah. right? So, so to, yeah, to see that aspect mm. and to really spend time mm. was uh, mm -mm -mm -mm. a great experience. Yeah. Then how do you say it from the perspective of, say, I mean, Gakogura doesn't exist as a tour mm. or anything program at this point in time, but say, what? how did you view an experience like this? If you're thinking as somebody who's offering, say, a tour or a program, how do you sort of view the nature of this sort of program or the possibility for something like this? So, uh, what we have done this week, I feel that's really for, you know, someone uh, really interested in sake, not for, you know, someone casually want to experience the sakagura, mm. but, uh, so I think Obatashizo uh, is thinking maybe like uh, you know uh, opening uh, the store uh, to Gakogura for a little bit of a lighter version of what we experienced, 
and that combined with what Sato can offer, I think it's really fascinating. Yeah, I think that's going to be really an important part probably going forward is figuring out exactly what does this offer to whom, right? Because yeah. I think probably for this week that we were here, there are a lot of people that would take part in something like this and possibly be overwhelmed. Like that was just, that was too much work. That was too intense. I've only got a, a week on the island. There's all these other things I wanted to do. Whereas for other people, they could come in, go full on and mm -hmm. be like, I, I still haven't seen enough. You know, I, I, I think there's, there's definitely a need for that population right, as right. well too. People who truly, really, really want to go in and see and do every single part. Um, and so trying to figure out, right? And like I said, there's probably a lighter version too where you come for a day or two. Um, yeah, like one thing that must be like clear for people who might be interested in this experience is like, you're not going to be a brewer, well, brewer after coming to Mm -hmm. At least like in a, in a business level, like you can mm -hmm. brew maybe sake at your place if you use the knowledge you got here. Uh, so like nobody have to be ambitious that mm -hmm. they're gonna go out here from here and okay, I will open my brewery, whatever I, I am, and I will be like a, the new sake producer in the world. Mm -hmm. It's not like this, like uh, for me, it, I have more questions mm. than answers mm. after this one week, exactly because what is said that now we can make like more questions, more like a suitable questions about the sake production mm. because we had this week experience. Mm. But on the other hand, for people who are planning to work with sake, like offer sake as like a I don't know, a seller or someone like me that worked with the public who wants to know more about sake, the sommeliers, for people who are interested in communicate about sake, it's a perfect experience, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. So of course, like if you want to be a brewer, you have to take much more time to yeah. learn like all the process and everything, and everything. But in my case, that I am an educator, let me use this word if it's possible, mm -hmm. but I am someone who is like giving people information about sake. For me, it was like a perfect program. So maybe for tourists, a shorter program would be good, mm -hmm. and it would be like a way like to make it uh, happen like more often, mm -hmm. if possible. But for people who want to communicate about sake, right. it's an experience like in like the right time, right size. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I could stay longer for sure if I survived. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, and Sado is a very interesting place, like to have an, a Japanese experience different than Tokyo, Kyoto, and Osaka, these big cities. So, but yeah, for people who want to teach about sake, communicate, uh, uh, deal with the public, like, it's a perfect program. Yeah. How about you, Philip? So you're, I mean, you're setting off on a new venture into the world of sake, communicating, promoting, selling. Yeah. Where does, what, what role does this play for you in that position? So it's rather, um, of course, this has this promotion or this uh, business aspect as well, but personally, uh, it's rather a personal um, um, decision or mm -hmm. to the personal drivers mm -hmm. where uh, 
more important uh, for me at this time. Um, so my background is like production engineering mm -hmm. and I really love this um, to go behind the scenes, go in the factory, get the hands dirty, just like see the people who, who make this. And um, so I haven't been, I have been involved with like um, IT recently, but like previously I was like really involved in like manufacturing, production and there's also this word uh, monozukuri in, in Japanese and uh, sake is also basically monozukuri mm. and um, people really do, do not understand when they drink this um, bottle of sake um, that how much sweat how much effort is in in this in this one bottle and for me personally it was like my my uh, my biggest wish to to understand it better. Um, I think now um, Roberto also kind of hinted at, uh, at that, por uh, that portion that it's like really valuable to understand the whole process, the whole effort, what like the uh, Kudabito uh, put into the um, sake and like it's it's not glamorous. It's, it's, it's a factory, you have to wash, you have to uh, touch the like really hot uh, steaming rice with your bare and bare hands, um, but in the end, uh, when you when you have the products in your ha in the hands, then you really know um, the value. And I think that's also what I want to um, do um, when promoting sake is to just not focus on the product um, itself, but go beyond that, uh, featuring the. Um, the people uh, behind the scenes, um, and they have different philosophies, mm -hmm. which is super great, super interesting. They have there are so many uh, breweries with like so many approaches. It's a really interesting, um, yeah, yeah, place to be, yeah. and and uh, yeah, um, the sake was awesome. So yeah, yeah. everyone is happy. Yeah. yeah, there is that. There's something to be said for having awesome sake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. yeah. and then having this opportunity is. Mm -hmm. uh, it's great because, you know, like as you said before, like you know, people who's uh, who want more information, experience uh, working at the Kura. Uh, ten years ago, I mean, basically there was none, and even today, yes, uh, there's the opportunity, but it's like committed, you know, long, long term one year or more so you know but uh, with this given that opportunity given the opportunity to really experience the whole cycle of uh, brewing one tank mm -hmm. in one week is I think it's great mm. yeah I thought one of the most interesting things for me in this is I found the number of breweries willing to allow an individual or two into the brewery for a day or a half day or you know for two or three days while they're in town there's there's more of those mm -hmm. you know even if they're not full-on from morning till night they're they're willing to bring them in and show them and teach and explain however it's it's a it's a very limited experience right in the say six months that they're brewing it's two days here and then one day a couple months down the road and whatever so the amount of time that they're actually spending with people out from outside the brewery in together inside the brewery is what maybe a week or two out of the entire season max right 
Whereas this is probably, at least as far as I know, the only brewery in Japan where all of the brewers here, they haven't just committed to making sake, they've committed to making sake together with a group of individuals who have, for the most part, little to no experience, right? And that is really, really rare, actually. Like, it's the number of brewers or toji who are in a position where they have to not just be a model, but in, in some capacity, an instructor or a teacher or whatever. Like, they're very, very few and far between. And this is a place where, you know, the people who have committed to brewing here have also committed to being active educators, mentors, and supportive of that experience, which is, I think that's gonna be down the road, mm -hmm. is gonna be really, really invaluable, I have a feeling. Like, the experience that they get from that, I think there's gonna be a lot to be learned from and leveraged in that area is we would try to figure out, you know, what does it mean to, to provide someone with the information and experience that they're looking for when they're really looking to go more hands-on. So I'm super excited to see kind of how that develops. I mean, it's a lovely team of brewers and yes. Toji. They are so <laughs> patient. Seriously. And I was thinking also, like, if somehow this can have an effect in, in people who maybe never thought about working in a brewery and mm -hmm. then say, yeah, like this, the thing I want to do, like since we have a problem of labor shortage mm -hmm. in Japan in general, but in the breweries as well. Mm -hmm. So if this can be attractive to mm -hmm. someone, and especially some foreigners like who feel like, we feel like this so distant mm -hmm. from us like to work in a brewery, but then you go to, I've been going to breweries to make reports, videos and stuff, and you always see someone from abroad working there, mm -hmm. someone from Hong Kong, another place, someone from Canada, and, someone, and in the end, like, uh, this is also a problem, like new, but mm -hmm. some also opportunity for foreigners who live in Japan to work in, in a, to work, yeah. like, with no more, like, explanations of to yeah. work yeah. like is it probably like a market for people to work as well so in the production sector but also like in promoting other things mm -hmm. inside the breweries yeah. so this also if in the future kakogura can also start like to mm. open doors for foreigners mm. who want to work actually work mm. in a brewery and do like a, whatever like have mm. this first experience through mm. gakogura and partially like help to solve somehow this lack of labor force. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's a really interesting domestic solution as well too. It integrates possibly international community, but it's a real, it's a solution to a very domestic problem as well, right? The, there, there's a huge difference between spending two hours at a brewery in the morning and stirring the mash around a little bit and going, you know what? I think I'm gonna pack up my entire life for, six months or a year and you know go into lo <laughs> go into lockdown you know in a, in a brewery like that's that's a huge ask for not just the person taking part but also the people that are taking a person on and so to have something of about this scale to give the participant the uh, the opportunity to actually see is this really something that you want to be involved in you know and then you know it gives them uh, hopefully ideal at a feel of, gosh, here's actually the possibility of what it means to actually be involved in a brewery. And that's, that could be really, really powerful just for Japanese as well. I would exactly. think, because yeah. I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of people who have interest. They just can't envision 
the viability of it as a right as not just a, a profession as a lifestyle you know yeah yeah when, when we talk about sado like we have to talk about these things too because like we have a like large island with decreasing population with a real serious problem of like labor force and uh, people like going out of the island because they don't feel they don't they, they don't feel like they have opportunity to stay here mm -hmm. so somehow Gakogura can like affect the whole community mm -hmm. uh, open doors for people from outside the island not only foreigners but from Japanese even like outside the island to come and experience the island and experience the the, the, the work in the brewery and somehow someday decide oh yeah there's something that I would I would do to stay one year in the island and mm -hmm. work in a brewery whatever mm -hmm. but yeah this can have a good effect in the community as well yeah, yeah because spending one week makes such a, a big difference mm -hmm. it's not just the, you know visiting here for one day and see pretty things just you know you talk to locals you go to local places mm -hmm. and, you know, you see a lot, not just a, like a beautiful scenery, mm -hmm. but also like how locals feel about things and, you know, what the issues are, things like that. But, you know, this is a great place and the more people come to uh, uh, work at Gakogura, I think that opens up uh, like a great opportunity for many more people to really to experience sado, mm. not just uh, sake, mm. but uh, this uh, what this island can offer. Mm. It's, it's interesting because you kind of do live on the island while you're here. Like the right, the organizers and the staff, they sort of point you in the right direction of things, but for the most part. You're, you're on your own for the time when you're not in the brewery and they say, you know, here's some places you might like, here's some things that might be worth visiting, but at the end of the day, you, you got to sort out your breakfast, you got to sort out your dinner, you got to sort out, you know, all those things that, you know, <laughs> that are essential to, to life, <laughs> you know, and, the, and that surround that experience. And so the actual process of actually having to stop and think, okay, where do I want to spend time? Or where do I want to go? And, you know, those discoveries become more your own, you know, as opposed to something like, here's the plan for mm -hmm. a week and here's every single thing lined up and you don't have to think about anything to actually have to go through the process, at least the way that it's set up right now. You actually have to, you have to put in the work and actually figure out what your time on the island is going to look like. But I feel like that you get a lot from that as well too, which was kind of neat. It's kind of neat. You know, so everybody likes Sado? Sado was all right? Yeah. Yeah, Sado was great, yeah. yeah. Especially, I, I have to say, like, you know, I come here in the winter. Mm. Of course, winter on Sado Island offers uh, uh, great food, great mm. things. But summer mm. is really nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we were lucky with the weather. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say one thing. I also liked the approach from uh, the uh, Obata Brewery that they, it's not about uh, sake and the people making it, but it's also uh, telling the story about the island, which was really great. Um, so I think we saw the um, rice fields where they grew um, like the actual uh, sake rice. Um, 
and the sake was also super delicious. Um, but like, it was really good to see the island also from the source of the rice. Um, also with having the culture in mind, like the, um, what is the festival called again? The Onidaiko or yeah, the, stuff the, like that. So it's, it yeah, makes, yeah. it makes, it gives the, the sake again a whole, or the whole uh, journey we had in, in this week, uh, another uh, dimension or another flavor, yeah. And you get in touch also like with the problems of the island as well. Like you get in touch with the problem of a rice, a historical, rice field that is going to disappear somehow because it's not like useful commercially but it's full of history and so you talk to the guy who been, has been like working since he was a teenager in the rice field and to feel like our life is disappearing so what can we do like to at least like show to people that in the past we did some things this way and we get in, in touch with problems uh, about like lack of population and so on. So it's not something that you come to be a tourist in the island. You get in touch with the things that are going on in the island and how people, how local people are dealing with these problems and trying like to figure out somehow like a way to keep their way of life at the same time moving to the future you know so like uh, it's very interesting like it's very exciting actually because you see that the island is full of opportunities mm. and if, like i've been thinking to move to sado for a while actually and every time i come to sado i feel like yeah maybe it's the right place to be the place where the opportunities are and the place where people are trying to make things happen mm. Or like you go to many places in Japan that people they just gave up. Mm. Like okay, we cannot like this this town is gonna die, so let's die with with this town. Mm. And in Sado is the opposite. Mm. People still keep fighting to make it work and to make this island feel like uh, and not lose like all the culture, all the history, and all everything like they have been doing for hundred years mm. in this island. So this is for me the most impressive thing about Sado. They are fighting to survive and they are doing well actually like if you compare it to many other areas mm -hmm. in Japan mm -hmm. they are just dying slowly. Sado is moving and keeping keep going so it's, it's really good it's very really good. Mm -hmm. It's a place like you feel like yeah I can be part of this mm -hmm. and I can be and they and actually on the opposite like I feel they accept me as part of this as well. Yeah, so that's like, you know, open to people moving to Sado. Like we met so many people yeah. uh, recently moved to Sado. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe they were originally from here or from somewhere else, but that the, the community it, uh, to welcome the, you know, people uh, from out, well, outside or from other places. I think it's there, and it's a, you know, good community to have. And then I think Obatashiro uh, uh, plays uh, one of the leading role mm -hmm. in that to, you know, to uh, introduce Sara to. Mm -hmm the people around the globe mm. and also welcome people when mm. they they are here and then see the, the island through sake. Mm. 
Yeah, it's, uh, that's in a way that's almost my greatest hope for this program. It, sure, it's great that you have a place you can go learn about sake, but sake breweries are, you know, tradition, traditionally, historically, been very central to the communities that they're that they're rooted in. Whereas, you know, over the years, as the number of breweries has decreased and the the depopulation, these other things, they've become sort of isolated. Sadly, they're still very tightly connected to the different people and and different roles in those communities, but they're they're hidden, right? They've been largely sort of hidden from view from a, from a lot of the population. But by sort of reimagining the role of a sake brewery, sort of in the community, um, it's something different from what say the main brewery about the Shuzo can do. It's developed for a different purpose, right? And they make great sake and you can go there and purchase stuff and there's a few fun things you can see and it's nice, it's pleasant. But this is structured in a way where there can be so much more involvement from so many different communities at different levels that hopefully, you know, some a space like this or an experience like this can prove to be some sort of a Ideally, some sort of a model as to, I don't know what the future of not sake brewing looks like, but say what the, the role of a sake brewery could or maybe, you know, ought to be, you know, moving forward as we're, you know, like you said, Roberto, like, you know, contending with a lot of the issues that these, you know, rural populations are looking at. Yeah, for, but it, it doesn't have to be necessary sake. It can no. be also another great uh, Japanese craftsmanship, mm -hmm. um, like, yeah just made in the same model as, as the school here yeah. and that would be also probably helpful for the whole community. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And this, like you, you mentioned this being a school, like it's important information, like this was a primary school in the past and we had the opportunity to visit another place that was also a primary school in the past and it gets a whole different use, like it became a kind of like a museum for the community. So, like uh, these these schools that they like are sadly uh, not like being run anymore because yeah. they, they there are no kids to study on, uh, in there, but uh, they somehow became these community spots, like highlighting the the important things for the island and for the communities and being like the the guardians of this the, this past or whatever this present or something from the community this is very interesting mm -hmm. because like uh, we always feel uh, schools like as a place like to develop the future of the community and then when they just like fade out because then there are no kids anymore mm -hmm. so what do you do with these spaces mm -hmm. and these ideas that have this space like to teach craftsmanship that is very important for the island historically or the other place who decided like, that decided to be a place for the the, the material heritage of the community. So use these spaces to do something for the community after all like it's very important. So it's for me I was a teacher in the past. So be here uh, and in the end, like when we got our diploma, so I felt so moved, like mm. because being in a space that was a school and it was, it could be a dead school, and mm. it's not like it's still alive. Mm. So it's very, very uh, touching, mm. and at the same time promising mm. that something can come for the better in the future. Mm. 
using this space that mm -hmm. was so important for the community for many years, like more than 100 years. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, very cool. No, I said this is, and this was, like I said, they started in 2014. And so it's just yeah. been developing little by little. You know, first yeah. year was a tank. Then two tanks. We're up to five tanks this year. We did the fifth tank. Yeah. First, even first sparkling. Yeah. First, yeah. They did sparkling this year. We did the we did the first Kimoto yeah. tank yeah. ever <laughs> by Obata Sake Brewery here. So I'm ever. excited to see to see to see how that how that works out. Um, and then you know they're planning on six tanks next year. And so you know little by little they're going to be continuing to sort of develop this and figure out what it could look like. So, but. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll keep our listeners sort of updated on sort of what's going on here. So we get a lot of inquiries. Hey, do you, anywhere, you know anywhere I could go to go brewing or whatever? You know, their capacity is limited. You know, they only brew six tanks a year. Um, and, you know, because it's a week-long program, they, they structure it around the part of the process that's the most hands-on and most mm -hmm. intensive, right? So it's not like you can just show up anytime and have this big fleshed-out experience. Like, they really, really, they, you know they put thought into when would be the most interesting and informative and useful part of the experience for most people yeah. and, and structure that. So, you know, if there's six tanks, that means there's only six, six, six groups, six yeah. groups yeah. you know, um, and, you know, with all this COVID madness and whatever, you know, a year ago, or two years ago, it might've been a group of a dozen, whereas now like I said, we're, we're just four. So, so we'll see. So it's, you know, it's not going to be a lot of people and how they're going to handle that process is still something I think they're, they're working on, but we'll definitely keep our listeners posted as to, yeah, where this is going. Cause I think there's probably a lot of people out there looking for an opportunity like this. All right. We have to, we have, to, we have to go graduate. We just, we're, we just graduated, I guess. We have to go celebrate, yeah. <laughs> yes. right? Last last night on the island, last last night in paradise. So, yeah, let's go, Philip, Roberto. Thank you so much for for joining. Thank, thank you. Thank you for a good session for a great week. That was, yeah. a, that was, that was a hell of a week. Hope to see you again. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to we'll have to reconvene on the island again here yeah, soon. All right, yeah, come by. And that will do it for this week's episode of Sake on Air. As always, if you love the show go ahead and leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts or whatever service it is that you get all of your podcasting needs. Go ahead and contact us with any thoughts or feelings at questions at sakeonair.com or follow along with us and interact with us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at at sakeonair. Sake on Air is made possible with the generous support of the Japan Sake and Shochu Makers Association and is broadcast from the Japan Sake and Shochu Information Center in the heart of Tokyo. The show is a co-production between Export Japan and Kapatsuke Productions with audio production by Mr. Frank Walter. That'll be it for this week's episode of Sake on Air and we will be back in another two weeks. Until then, be well and kanpai. <laughs>